I, I try not to take this time for personal reasons, but I just want to say big thank you to those of you who uh, made this week so great for me. Uh, if you didn't know, maybe you're new uh, today. I had a big birthday uh, this past week. Thursday was my birthday. Big 2-5, and uh, I'm thrilled about that. I'm happy to be times two. But uh, thank you. Those of you who could be here Wednesday night, well, I truly was surprised. I had no idea that was coming. And so I know some of you had work and kids and you couldn't be here. But uh, those of you who were here, just a lot of fun. Thank you to all of you for your generosity and, and just helping me celebrate uh, this uh, monumental birthday. I feel the same. Yeah, I feel, feel the same. You know, we, I read one time. We all still picture ourselves the way we were in our early 20s. Like that's our, that's our visual image of ourselves. We see ourselves as still being that person. So don't tell me that I'm not. Just let me keep visualizing myself as that person. Um, but it's been a great week. I'm glad you, you were part of it and I got to share it with all of you. Um, we're coming out of Christmas, coming out of the Christmas season and uh, Christmas is a lot about the new, like getting new things uh, and a lot of you got new things over Christmas. One of the great things about uh, the first couple of weeks of church after Christmas, first couple of weeks in the new year, is everybody's wearing their new things, right? So people, people have new shirts and new sweaters on and uh, new jeans on and new boots on and uh, all kind of new stuff that you're all wearing because Christmas is about new. And maybe you got more than clothes. Kids get new toys, right? New video games, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, maybe you got uh, new sports equipment, maybe you got a new basketball goal or a new set of golf clubs, or, or uh, maybe you got new jewelry, maybe somebody got new jewelry. Um, according to commercials, people get new cars at Christmas. Like, I don't know anybody who got a new car, but if you did, that's awesome. Glad you got a new car uh, at Christmas. So uh, it, it's kind of the season of new, and, and really the only thing new in January is you get new bills, right, to pay for all the new stuff that you bought at Christmas. Jan January is not so much a new time uh, as it is a new-to-you time. Um, we all know what new-to-you means um, because we have new-to-you stuff. Some of our cars aren't new, but they're new to us. Uh, right? Somebody asks you, did you get a new car? Well, it's new to me. Right? It's, it's meaning somebody else drove this car before I did. That's somebody else's McDonald's French fry under that seat. But this is the first time I've driven it. It's got a little ding in it. It's got a little stain in the floor. But it's new to me. It's my first time having this car. Uh, most of us live in homes that are new to us. And I know that because most of us are still married, right? So that means we didn't try to build a home, which is kind of the worst thing you can do for your marriage, I've been told. But most of us are still happily married, which means we didn't try to build our own home. Somebody else built it, lived in it for a while, and they moved out. Now it's new to us. It's, it's, our, it's our new home. Um, there are whole markets related to new to you. Uh, for example, anybody buy or sell something on eBay Right? That's a whole new-to-you system. Craigslist, new-to-you. If you buy or sell at consignment sales or consignment stores. Goodwill, any Goodwill shoppers in here? Fish. Uh, my daughters, they like hit up Goodwill every once in a while and come home with this bag of junk that's brand new to them, um, and, but, but it's not really new. Um, my daughters, uh, when they spend the night with other girls, come home with stuff from their house, which is... Like, if my daughters have ever spent the night with you, you may want to check the closets because they come home and, where'd you get this? Oh, okay. I, I walked in on a conversation a uh, week before last 
One of my daughters was saying to the other daughter, it would be really nice if I could wear the shirt that you bought me for Christmas instead of you wearing it all the time. Like they go in each other's closets, and it's new to them, right? New, new to you uh, is a thing, and, and January is kind of a new-to-you season because people are trying things for the first time. It's not things that have never been tried before. They're just, they're just new to, to you, uh, like exercise, Right. January is the season of, I'm going to give it another shot, I'm going to try this. And so now, uh, gym memberships aren't new, but there's like this whole millions of people in the gym right now who haven't been in the gym in 20 years. And they've just decided, well, it's, it's new to me, I'm going to do this. Treadmills aren't new, but it's new New to them, Stairmaster, aerobics classes, all of that's new to some people. And good for you. Way to go. Stick with it. Hang in there. Uh, same thing with nutrition. Uh, we've, we've been eating terribly for two and a half months now, right? It starts Halloween, and that segues into Thanksgiving and rolls right into December, and we just keep eating. If you're like me, then comes a birthday right after that, so you make two months of bad eating into three months of bad eating. And for a lot of people, they're trying diets, nutrition, whatever you want to call it. Don't get offended by what I call it. But uh, you're trying to eat better. Um, so you're, you're eating salads. Like, see, you didn't eat salads for the last 11 months. But January, you're eating salads and telling yourself that you like it and saying things like, oh, it's so filling. And we all know you're lying. It's not filling. You're starving an hour later. But you're trying. It's new to you. Uh, you're trying kale, you're trying to make kale work, and kale just doesn't work. You got kale chips and kale popsicles and kale whatever, because you're trying to make this kale thing work. You're juicing and making shakes and saying you're vegan and eating tofu. Like, good for you. Like, I, I'm no shame here. Good for you. Hope it lasts. Uh, it's new to you. Spiritually, um, we go through some new to you time spiritually as well. One way to do that is to try to implement some new disciplines. January is kind of a time we do that too. Uh, a lot of people uh, make a new commitment to read their Bible starting in January. And that's a great thing to do. Good for you. And so some of us start with really big goals, like I'm going to read the whole Bible this year. So we're in Genesis right now. And then a few weeks we're going to be in Leviticus and you're going to quit and it's going to be awful. But uh, right now, it's new to us. Like I'm, I'm going to read my devotion and I hope it lasts. I'm not poo-pooing at all. I'm not a poo-pooer. But I hope, you, I hope you stick with it. It's new. We're going to talk about some of those in the next couple of weeks. But another way for, for kind of spiritual life to be new to us is, and you're probably more spiritual than I am, but in my life spiritually, there's like seasons of this robust energy spiritually, um, this, this excitement and passion for the things of God, and like I'm learning new things, and maybe I'm listening, reading some new authors, or like my Bible study is just like on fire, and like I'm seeing things I haven't seen before, and so there are these seasons of, and I just can't wait to worship, and listening to worship CDs, and then, let's be, be honest, maybe it's just me and you're way ahead of me on this, but, I mean, there's some seasons that my spiritual life kind of feels just there. It's just sort of getting by day to day, and I, I'm not robbing banks, and I'm not having an affair, and, I, and I, like, I hadn't murdered anybody. It's not that. It's not like we're going crazy. 
It's just that some, some seasons of spiritual life, there's a dryness to them. Like there's a, I just don't, I'm just not as passionate as I, as I once were. And I, I think, we don't, we don't always admit that, uh, but I think we all experience that. If, if, you're, if you walk with Jesus for very long, and for me it's been 42 years uh, of following Jesus, and so there are these kind of peak times, and then there are those times that, I don't know, spiritual life just kind of feels there. Well, what I, I want to put in front of us today as we launch this series is, like, what if... 2018, especially the beginning of 2018, what if we all, individually, collectively, we just had a fresh sense of God's movement in our life? Man, wouldn't that be awesome? If, if, we, if we just had a new fire for the King of Kings, like God is reigning over everything and He knows us and He loves us and Jesus came and, and died and came to be our Savior and, and like He's for us and on our side. He has plans and purposes. And what if at the beginning of 2018, that just became fresh again to us. It became new to us. Again, it's not new. God's always working. God's always ready. But sometimes spiritually, we just need that, that energy back. And I, I'm praying for us that we would sense that. Hey, if you've been with us from the beginning, uh, you know we just seen God do crazy things here. Uh, the last almost three years. Just the way God keeps moving and keeps drawing people and people keep coming to Christ and, and such good things keep happening. And, and here we are, we're, we've come through getting to this space. And, I, and as we're looking at 2018, I'm praying, God, just, just do more. I just keep, I don't know if that makes me greedy or not. I don't know. I, I don't mean num more numbers and bigger and more buildings. I mean, God, just... Set your spirit fresh on us in 2018. There's a, there's a bizarre story, um, a lot of bizarre stories uh, in, in the Bible. But in the Old Testament, there's a prophet by the name of Ezekiel. And maybe you know his name, maybe you don't. Uh, Ezekiel was a prophet uh, like Isaiah, Jeremiah. Th that was kind of his posse. Like he, he lived, he's doing stuff when they're doing their thing. And all of that group... They're, they're living and, and being a spokesperson for God during a really kind of tragic time for Israel. We've talked about this before. Uh, Israel disobeys God, walks away from God. They get uh, taken over. They, they, they become captives by Babylon. Their homes are destroyed. They're all carried away to another country. And life's just not good. And God sends these messengers to them. And Ezekiel, if you read the whole book, a lot of his messages are bizarre. Like they're, they're big and, and bizarre and somewhat apocalyptic and metaphorical. And, and Ezekiel is big on using object lessons. And so he points to this thing and says, this is what's happening. This is what it's like. This is what God wants for us. So it's kind of, kind of a big, crazy, bizarre story. With Ezekiel, but like all of the prophets, his ultimate message is one of hope. Their message never ends with, you're wrong and you're terrible and you've done bad things and God's mad at you. That's never the end of the prophet's message. It always goes beyond that to say, but God loves you. Like there's still this hope that God wants to work in you. 
In Ezekiel chapter 37, uh, God gives one of those big, bizarre object lessons to say, man, I've got more for you. I've got, I've got something that's going to be new to you, something fresh that's going to come into your life. This is how the story starts. Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel's speaking or writing. The hand of the Lord was on me, Ezekiel, and he brought me, God, he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Again, big, bizarre object lesson. Ezekiel says, I was just minding my own business, and God kind of picks me up and puts me out in the middle of this valley. And was that literal? Was that a vision? I, I don't know. I just know Ezekiel's experiencing this like it's a real thing. God puts me in the middle of a valley, and, and all over the valley are bones. Not just a few bones, not just a couple of bones. Like bones of hundreds and maybe thousands of people scattered all over this valley... And the sun has done its thing, and buzzards have done their thing. Like these bones are picked clean, they're lifeless, they've been aging and drying out in this valley for who knows how long. And God says, look, I want you to walk back and forth. I want you to get this image in your mind. So I want you to walk up and down the valley. I want you to see how devastating this is. Like some catastrophic event has taken place and has taken out hundreds, maybe thousands of of people, and then on top of that, culturally, it was considered the final insult to a person if they weren't buried. Like if there wasn't a proper burial for somebody, that was considered the final insult of a bad life. To have a burial during this time was considered the proper ending to a life well lived you got a burial. And you, we see this sometimes in the Old Testament, how this cultural thing plays through. So Ezekiel's looking at the situation, catastrophic event, lots of death, final insult on the people who died in that valley. And Ezekiel's trying to figure out, what am I supposed to do with this? And God asked him a question. Here's God's question, verse 3. God asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? Okay, now that you've seen it, now that I've shown, now you've seen the catastrophe, could something good come out of this? Like, could these people all live again? Like, could that happen? Now, just to get our, our, our mind straight on the picture here, the bones that Ezekiel's looking at, they represent the current reality. This is what is Ezekiel. This is the condition of my people, God's saying. This is the condition of Israel. They're, they're, they're dry. They've disobeyed. Like sin has caused catastrophe in my people. They're not looking to me anymore. Their life is, is dusty. Their spiritual life is dusty and dried out. This, this is the current reality. If if we want to see God do something new in our life, there's at least two things we have to do. And the first thing is we got to see current reality. we got to look across our life and find out where the valleys are. Like where is the dry, where is that thing that 
It's not satisfying. It's not fulfilling. It's not, it's not what I want, and it's probably not what God wants. And maybe it is your spiritual life. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe, maybe it's family. Maybe it's a lot of different things. But, I, but God, through this story, is calling us to be honest about our current reality. Don't, don't keep fooling yourself. Right? You've, you've eaten bad for three months. Don't tell yourself everything's fine nutritionally. Right? That sort of idea. God's saying, Ezekiel, I want you to see what, how things really, really look. And you and I have to go through that process. This is how things really are. And then the second part is we've got to ask, do we believe God can do something about this? Like, Do we believe God's powerful enough to fix even this? Do we believe God is powerful enough to bring life back to an area of my life that seems really dead right now? Back to an area of my life that seems really dry and unfulfilling and lacking spiritually. Do I believe that God could do something new? That's that's God's question to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel, if we're honest, he bails on the question. Like he totally sidesteps the question. And I think the reason is because Ezekiel knows it's a trick question, which, spoiler alert, every question God asks is a trick question. Not in the sense that God's trying to trick you. God's not trying to trick you. It's a trick question in the sense that God already knows the answer. Like God doesn't ever ask a question because he doesn't know the answer. God asks the question because you need to know the answer. And that's what he asked Ezekiel. Do you, do you think I can do something about that? Do you think I could, I could work in that? Do you think I could make something new out of an area that you perhaps have made something bad? Ezekiel sidesteps the question and his answer, the second part of verse 3, I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. What do you say, God? You ever answer a question with a question? Do you think I could do something? Uh, I don't know. What do you say? Because I don't know what to say. Like, I'm just going to say whatever you say, which is a pretty good thing to say, isn't it? Like when it comes to God, I guess it's a pretty good thing to say, I'm just going to say what you say, God. Like you say it, and then I'll say it, and that'll be my answer. My answer is your answer. Your answer is my answer. All right. What might God do in all of us if our response to the question was, God, whatever you say, I'll just do what you say, because I don't know. Um, Have you ever been in a conversation like, what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? What do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want for dinner? (laughs) What restaurant do you want to go? I don't know. What restaurant do you want to go? That's kind of the conversation they're having. Do you think I could do something? I don't know. What do you say? Basically, Ezekiel's saying, I'm just going to say what you say, God. This is a pretty good thing to say. Anybody ever cheat on a test? Don't don't answer that. Because then your kids are going to see, and they're going to use that against you. Or kids, your parents are going to ask you questions all the way home if you raise your hand. So don't answer. Just think, did you ever cheat? On a test, which cheating is bad. You should not cheat. It's not a good thing. You're stealing. You're not learning the material. Don't cheat. Unless you're in a situation like Ezekiel is in. And God says, do you think I could do this? 
it's a pretty good answer to say, you know what, God, I'm just going to cheat off your paper. Like, whatever you write down, that's what I'm going to write down. Like, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to say. If you say the answer is A, then I'm going to write that on my paper. Like, I'm just going to cheat off what you've said and you wrote and what's in your word. And as we're getting ready for 2018, we want to see God do something new. You know, one of the, one of the things that will cause that in our life is this, we just spend 2018 cheating off God's paper. If we just decide, like, all of my choices are going to come back to God, what do you want? God, what have you said? God, what do you desire? Not what do I desire. Not how do I see it. God, how do you see it? I don't know, God. What do you think? Here's the next part. If we want new life, if we want new life breathed into the dry areas of our our lives, breathe into the bones of our lives, we have to accept this. You can't keep the dry bones and get new life at the same time. You can't keep the dry bones and see God do something new, which nobody would want that in this story, right? Everybody wants to see the bones come to life. That'd be awesome. That'd be cool. Nobody wants that in the story, but in our lives, that's sometimes what we ask God for. God, I want something new. I want something fresh. But I don't want to give up this. God, I want to experience your power, your spirit. Like, I want to be close to you. But like, I don't want to give up that part of my life either. And sometimes, sometimes our argument with God is, God, I want you to do something new in my life, but I don't want to give up the thing that caused me to be in this valley. Like, I want you to breathe new life. Don't ask me to give up the thing that's landed me in this situation. In 2018, you and I have got to decide. Do we want God to do something new? Or do we want to keep the thing that led us to the dry part in our life? If you and I want God to do something new in us this year, we have to turn away from what created the valley in the past. We have to to make different decisions. I don't know if you've been doing this over the last couple of weeks. Turn the calendar. And uh, so I've been been transitioning files personally, church, you know, work, those sort of things. Transitioning all the 2017 files, putting them in tubs and boxes and and getting ready for 2018 files and tax season's coming up. So what are we going to need for taxes? And I've been going through all of the cleaning off the desk and trying to get reorganized for 2018. And in doing that, I found buried in my my desk drawer uh, a notebook that I used way back at the beginning of 2017. And I'd written a quote from a book I was reading at the time. Here was the quote. If you feel like you're not making progress, ask yourself, what decision am I not making? And that can apply to a lot of areas, business and leadership. I think it was a business book I was reading. But what a great question for every area of your life, spiritually as well. If you feel stuck, if you feel in a valley, one of the things to ask yourself is, well, like, what decision am I avoiding that I'm going to have to make if I ever want to get out of here. If I ever want to move to the next stage. If I ever want that new life to come back. Because sometimes spiritually, we're stuck. We're dry. We're in a valley of dry bones. Because we won't make the decision to walk away from the thing that got us there. The relationship, the habit, 
the lack of discipline. Maybe we're stuck. Maybe we're dry because we just won't make the decision. Story goes on. Then God said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, which we would all say, but that's a bizarre thing to do, right? That's a weird thing to ask Ezekiel to just start talking to bones. Just start telling bones to come together. It's a bizarre thing to do. And yet, after getting those instructions, Ezekiel writes, so I did it. It was weird. It was bizarre. It was awkward. I was hoping nobody was watching me, but I did it. Like I, just, I just started doing it. And then the next verse, and as I was speaking, as I was prophesying, as, as I was saying these things... There was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. Ezekiel says, I didn't even get through the whole thing. I just started to obey God, and God started to work. Like I started to see with my own eyes that just taking a small step of obedience resulted in God going to work on my behalf. And this is not the only place in the Bible that has an example of that. We find this all throughout the Bible that God says, look, I need you to do something. It's going to be hard, maybe. It's going to be awkward, maybe. And they take one little baby step in the direction of obedience, and God immediately goes to work. And we could see that this year. Like, you could see that in your individual life. If, if you just have the courage to do what God is saying this year. If you just have the courage to stop being afraid of what everybody else thinks about your faith. If we just have the courage to stop being paralyzed by the fact that a lot of people don't agree with what we believe. Don't believe what we believe. I'm not saying be jerks to them. and I'm not saying to be annoying to them. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying find the courage to live out your faith in your life this year. Find the courage to say, God, in my work, in my school, around my extended family, in my neighborhood, like wherever you put me, I'm going to live out my faith, and I'm going to do it in a winsome way. I, I, I'm not going to be a jerk about my faith, but I'm not going to be afraid either. I'm going to step towards obedience because I think what Ezekiel saw, you and I will see. We'll see God begin to go to work. Maybe in ways we've, we haven't seen him work in our lives before. Because we were willing to be obedient. And look, I don't think God's going to ask any of you to talk to bones in 2018. Like, I don't think God's going to take any of us to a valley and say, tell all of these bones to come to life. Like God's not going to do that. But God may say, will you, will you pray for that person over there? God, will you... God may say, would you just share a little bit of your spiritual journey with that person because they need it? Would you just invite that person to church? Would you, would you just talk a little bit about what Jesus means to you? 
Would you decide that regardless of the environment that you're in, your actions, your decisions, your, your, your morals, they're going to be guided by God's word. Would you just live that out this year and see how God might go to work in your life? Verse 8, I looked, right? so he's just started talking, God starts working, and Ezekiel says, I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And in the next couple of verses, 11 through 14, God explains the object lesson to Ezekiel. God says, look, the bones, that's my people. That's, that's the nation of Israel, and, and they, they, they don't have a lot of hope right now. Like, they're discouraged. They're weighed down. They're dry. Like, they're spiritually empty. And I want you to go back, and I want you to tell them there's still reason to hope. Like, I'm still at work. Like, I'm still God. Like, I'm still bigger than this whole circumstance that's surrounding them. I can still do amazing things. Tell them this isn't the end. But there is more to come. That's, that's what I hope God's saying to us. Individually, wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, your relationships, collectively as God's church here at Journey, I think God would say, this, there's more. There's more that I want to do. and There's more people I want to reach and see come into the kingdom of God. The word, the word breath in this story we haven't mentioned it yet, but it becomes, um, it, it really is kind of central to everything that's taking place. It's, it's mentioned 10 times. The Hebrew word is mentioned 10 times. Sometimes it's translated breath, sometimes wind, sometimes says the Spirit of God. All the same Hebrew word. Throughout the story, breath is the energizing, the, the animating force that's at work. Uh, the skin, the tendons, the muscles, they all come back on all these bones. And they're, they're all standing there, and they look alive, but they're not alive. They look way better than they did just a few minutes ago, when they were just bones. Like, they look like people, but Ezekiel realizes they're not alive. They look alive, they're not alive. And so God says, breath has to come into them, like a, a fresh breath. A fresh wind has to come into them. Fresh move of my spirit has to come into them. I don't, just, just as an individual, just me, not pastor, just, just Ken, just me. I don't want to look alive. I don't want to look spiritually alive in 2018 and be dead. I, I don't want to look like God's at work. I want God to actually be at work. Like I want there to be power and energy that can only come from the Spirit of God. I want that for Journey. I don't want Journey to just look alive this year. I don't want us to just look like a church that does some good things and we have, we have some services and sing some songs and hear some teaching. I don't want us to just look alive. I want Journey to be alive this year. I want us to continue what God's been doing in us by experiencing a 
fresh wind from him. I love that after God says this, the scripture says Ezekiel commanded the wind from the four winds. That just means it came from all over. Like the wind, the the power of God, the spirit of God's at work all over. Wherever you are, whatever your valley is at the beginning of 2018, whatever the dry spot is in 2018, whatever the heartache is, whatever the the challenge is, the Spirit of God can blow there. Because it's the four winds. It's everywhere. God is everywhere moving. If, If our lives are ready, and so I pray, this would be new to us. The, mo- the Spirit of God is not new. <laughs> the Spirit of God has existed from eternity past. We're going we're gonna to do a series on the Holy Spirit. We're going to figure some of those things out later on in the year. The Spirit of God is active, personal, from eternity past. This is not, the movement of the Spirit is not new. Read church history. Right? Prayer and the power of prayer and the movement of God's Spirit. It's been happening since the beginning of time. This is not new. But I pray it will be new to us in 2018. I pray we'll get a fresh wind of God's spirit and power in us in 2018. So I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray the four winds. But that would blow on us this year. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes with me? Would you join me in this appeal to God? That our hearts would be ready. That we would be ready. We'd be right with God. We would obey God. We would cheat off of God's paper in 2018 so that he would be able to send a fresh movement to us. And here's what I want to do. Nobody looking around. It's just me. I want to ask you if if there's a dry valley in your life. Only you and God know what it would be. I don't know what it is. But if there's a... There's, if, if, if there's a sense that some area of your life needs reigniting, it needs fresh life, fresh breath, and you want me to pray, you want me to include you in this prayer that I'm about to pray, I just want to ask you, would you raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. Just say, that's me. I, yes, hands everywhere. Yes, keep them up. Thank you. God, I pray across this room. Pray for every life that's represented by a hand from the four winds that your spirit would blow in us again. God, we don't want to just look alive. As individuals, as a church, we don't want to just appear to be energized by the things of God. We want to be energized by the spirit of God. And you've done so much new for us. So many new beginnings and new starts and fresh movements. But God, we we will never tire of a fresh movement of your spirit in our midst. And so do something that's new to us this year. Some of us, some of us have old dry bones of disobedience that we've got to walk away from to sense your spirit. Help us to do it. We're a decision away from seeing your spirit move like never before in our hearts. We just got to decide. We're going to walk away from the valley. We're not going to do the things that got us there anymore because we want to come to life. Energize us. 
animate us. Give us passion for the things of the eternal God. I pray it in Jesus' name.